we are still in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 18, and we are still in verse 6. We will look at two words today. I just don't want to overwhelm anybody all at once. Okay? So, if you would please join with me in prayer, and then we'll read the word of the Lord. Father, as we come this day before your book, may you give us ears to hear. May you give us hearts to receive. Father, let us not deceive ourselves this day. Father, let us hear you. Father, let us be overwhelmed by you. Let us rejoice in you. The amazing things you have done, are doing, and shall complete. To your glory. Amen. Verse 6. Who has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant? Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory, so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glories, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of that which was fading away. But their minds are hardened. For until this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I would remind you that a few weeks ago we looked at the glory of God when Moses asked, Show me your glory. And God showed him his grace and his mercy. I have watched people, and I actually heard a pastor was asked, how were people in the Old Testament saved? And his response floored me. He said, by keeping the law. I couldn't believe it. And yet I watched the church today. And what I see in people is salvation comes by keeping the law. 
And yet no one has ever been saved by keeping the law. It's impossible. What we started looking at last week was verse 6, that the glory of the new covenant gives life. Gives life. And it brings us life. And in this context, in this text that the Apostle Paul is giving to you and I, he is contrasting the old covenant versus the new covenant. The old, the law, the new, grace. And yet, I believe that I read theologians who say that, and yet, was there not grace in the old covenant? Why did he not strike down Adam and Eve dead? Why not Cain? He always has grace. But when you think about Moses, and he says, show me your glory, he said, I will show you my mercy and grace. Okay. Now, I want you to think about the law for a second. Okay. When I speak of the law, when Paul speaks of the law, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, all right, you, you've got to keep this in mind. When you think about the law, okay, think of it in three parts. Okay, when I talk about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament law, it comes in three parts. One is a civil law. It separated Israel from all other nations. This is how you are to be. That's where you see the dietary laws, the clothing laws, okay, the restriction, how the priest was supposed to, and the breastplate with all the jewels in it and all the rest of it. That is the civil law. The other part is the moral law. Okay, that's where you get the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Okay, this is how you are to be towards God. This is how you are to be to your fellow man. Okay, but there was also the ceremonial law where you, uh, a woman would, after giving birth to a child, would have to go through a cleansing process and and she would offer up a a pigeon or a dove, depending on her status in society. Um, That's where you see the washings and baptisms, okay, And, 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 and all the sacrificial systems. Now, let's be really clear. The civil law that God established for the nation of Israel. All right? Let me ask you a question. Is this still in force? Really? Be careful. The Apostle Paul say, Jew and Gentile are one. Paul refers to it now instead of the nation of Israel. He says there is Jew, there is Gentile, and there is Christian. Under the new covenant, there is no civil law. There's no difference. This is one of the things that drives me nuts about when I hear people say, well, we are a messianic congregation. What are we? I, I, there may be some Jewish people in this room, but I got news for you. There's no difference in the eyes of God between you and any Jew or me. See what we just did? What'd you do? You grabbed a hold of the civil part of the law and tried to stick it in the new covenant. 
Ceremonial part. How's that working? Still in effect? No, it's not in effect. It's shadows, writer of Hebrews says. Remember what he wrote to the Colossians? Don't let people put feasts and festivals on you and new moons and Sabbaths. All right, so when I take the law, the old covenant, and I say there's three parts of this thing, the civil part is gone. Right. There is no nation of Israel. That was gone. It's been gone. It didn't come back until 1948. Let me ask you something. I was over there not, not too long ago. It is not a theocracy. That's gone. The ceremonial system is gone. They don't even have the temple. That's gone. So it leaves this one part left part that we all love the best the moral part but if you watch humanity when it comes to the law of God we would prefer to go celebrate the jubilee celebration and perhaps learn how to run our banking systems based on the civil law of the Old Testament and we like to sort of ignore the moral side I was sharing you guys with my Sunday school class this morning, a guy named Al Moeller. And uh, he had an interesting article. Um, Al has more gray matter than should be humanly allowed. Just, I don't know. He got in the wisdom line and stood. <laughs> um, he was talking about gay marriage. Okay, and, and what was going on in California and don't ask, don't tell and all this other stuff that was going on. And he made a statement and I about fell over because uh, I know Al. <laughs> he says, I do not believe the church has the right to take a stance on gay marriage. And I was like, well, there, <laughs> do I read on? Is this paper going to burst into flames? What am I got going on here? And he made this statement based, he says, how can a church whose divorce rate is equal to or surpasses society, who have men at pulpits that they classify as professional, whose their divorce rate is equal to the professionals of the lost people, who have no idea, no concept whatsoever of the holiness of God, nor what it means to be a sanctified life. How are they to, supposed to tell lost people what morality is? I used to like reading, Al. <laughs> but every once in a while when you're reading, you're like, yo, dude, you get up on the wrong side of the bed or what? The Apostle Paul speaking here. He says that God has made us as adequate servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Under the old covenant, the letter killed. We looked at it. It's a ministry of condemnation in verse 9. It's a ministry of death in verse 7. Okay. But he says the spirit gives life. All right. So I started looking through this and 
what does he mean here? The not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. What does letter mean? Okay, most of the people, most theologians, a lot of theologians, I don't know about most. Most theologians believe that the Apostle Paul here says that the letter is synonymous to the law. Okay, I don't think so. All right, and I will defend my stance. All right, but I'm not going to defend it based on B.B. Warfield or Linsky or any of these other people. I wanted to base it on what I have seen in Scripture. I believe what the Apostle Paul is referring to here is letter expresses a term of distortion. Leviticus is already, we looked at this, you'll have to go back. We've, we've looked at this. Leviticus says that the law of the Lord is the path to life. Okay, now that's Old Covenant. All right. But I believe what the Apostle Paul referring to here in letter is that letter is is that that distorts the true intention of the law. Remember, the law is on three bases. Civil, moral, ceremonial. Okay? Um, The law. The law's true intention. Please understand this. Whether it is civil, moral, or ceremonial. This true intention is for the person to recognize their sinfulness. Please hear how I'm saying that. I am using these words emphatically. The intention of God's law is for the person to recognize their sinfulness. They have to come to a place. We, each of us, have to come to a place that we have no ability to do this. We are hopeless and we are helpless. We are in a pit. I remember when I was a young man, there was a young lady I was wanting to date. And I was trying to get the father to give me a break. And he said, well, I tell you what. He had this fancy house that was shaped like a horseshoe. And uh, he says, I was wanting to take his uh, daughter to the state fair. And uh, he's, he, he, he said, well, okay, uh, but I need you to help me do something. I said, what's that? And he says, out there in the center of my horseshoe of my house is, um, um, was, it had a garden. And I mean, it had all this garden stuff in it, you know, decorations and fountains. And, and it had a basement. And one of his French drains around his basement had crushed. And it was causing big rains was causing flooding in the basement. He says, you help me dig that out, get to that drain, replace that drain. He says, and you can uh, take my daughter to the state fair. Cool. All right. So I grabbed my shovel. (laughs) Dirt's flying. Problem is, it wasn't dirt. Okay. now this is back in the Midwest, back in Ohio. And it was the stuff that we call pea gravel. Okay, pea gravel is a little bitty. Gravel, about the end of the size of the end of your fingers. That is, I think it's where we got the idea of ball bearings from. Okay, so I began shoveling. I only had to go down about four and a half feet to get to the drain, 
when I got done, I had a hole from this wall probably out to that second row of seats over to that wall. And I was looking for a piece of pipe that was about that long. Because the pea gravel, you take one load, you get three back. You take one load, you get four back. You take one load, and you pile it up here, it all comes back in, and it became a perpetual thing. I watch people in the evangelical church today who are digging in pea gravel, thinking that they're pleasing God. And it's the same mentality. You have to understand that the law is to drive you to the point this is impossible. And God says, perfect. You're right where I want you. When you get to the place looking at the law of the God, whether it's civil, the moral, and technically if you're going to be legitimate, you've got to look at all three of them if you want to figure it out. You've got to come to this place where you know you can't do anything about it. And I must cast myself on the mercy and grace of God. Desperate. They come in faith. And when they come, they know that God will forgive and God will only forgive absolutely. Okay? I, I want to give you a text because I'm speaking of the, the law. I want to give you a text that I think says it probably better than anybody could ever say it. All right? Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7. I do not believe that anybody can summarize the intent of the law any better than what the prophet Isaiah says in 55, 6 and 7. Here's what he says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the righteous, the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon It just don't get no better than that, people. Just doesn't get any better. I believe that what the Apostle Paul is laying out for you and I in this text is not the law, but the misintentions and the distortion and the misinterpretations of what man will do with God's law. Be real careful. The letter used in 2 Corinthians, is what the legalist is left with as a result of misunderstanding the law. Does that make sense? Or shall I say misusing the law? The law is spiritual. If you go to um, Romans chapter 7, verse 14... The Apostle Paul says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into the bondage of sin. You get that? What law is he talking about? Well, if the civil has been set aside, is obsolete, and the ceremonial is set aside, is obsolete, then there's only one thing left. 
the moral. Right? The Ten Commandments. Alright, now line up to those. How wonderful is that? Those should be able to take you and drive you to call upon God while He may be found that you can be forgiven absolutely because of His grace and mercy. See, understand what He just said there. For we know the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh. You know what He just did there? He says, the letter... Spoken of in 2 Corinthians is separate from the Spirit. It is isolated from the Spirit. Because the Spirit does what? Gives life. What does the letter do? It's condemnation. This is key, people. This is absolutely key. You guys need to grab this and you need to hang on to this thing as if it's the last thing you would ever let go of. I watch people who know more Bible than I'll ever know and they are working themselves into damnation trying to keep it. And yet it is spiritual. You are of the flesh. You can't keep it. You can't do it. See, that's the true character of the law. When I take the moral law of God, it's an absolute. Try it. Try it. I tell you what. Ladies, how'd you do with 1 Corinthians 7? How'd you do with Ephesians 5? That's not frustrating, is it? I just read that and said, hey, no, no problem. I'll just do what Paul says. Stay single. <laughs> That's not hard to do. Oh, wait, I'm married. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I hear a flushing sound. Ain't it true? Just do it. You guys think it's... you, Ladies, I love you. Why in the world? Pride? I I want I am I don't know how to tolerate it. I want to hear how does that apply? That'd be I bet we can write a book. Oh wait, God already did. Think about it. Think about right now how much Bible some of you know and how easy it is it to walk in it. And you're saved. I've got the Holy Spirit. It indwells me. No problem. I'm just going to go do it. Really? Is that working for you? Because the law is spiritual. The Spirit gives life. Did you get that? Not you memorizing the Greek participles. We have it in our minds. If I walk around and tell you, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do this, do this, do this, this, and and you're just going to be a godly man and woman. Really? 
I don't do that. All I ask you to do is walk with me. Why? Oh, by the way, did I tell you I fall down on a regular basis? Sometimes I skin up. That's why I've got a beard thing. I skin my chin so many times. I thought, I just need to put a cushion. And yet I watch people think, well, uh, just go do this and this and this and this and this and this. Have fun. Count me out. Count me out. I don't want no part of that. Why? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You're being transformed into who? And you're going to add to that effect how? Well, you don't understand. I memorized Romans. I know where it's at. I didn't memorize it. And it took me... I, I was in the book of Romans for almost eight and a half years in different Bible studies, different precept studies, and I taught it in, in Russia and all the rest of it. And I can't tell you nothing. I know the seven I identify with. I always do the things I don't want to do. I can't do the things I'm supposed to do. And wretched man I am. <laughs> I got that one. And I understand Romans 8.1 because it comes right after 7. It says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> got her done. See, the context that you're dealing with in... 2 Corinthians, you're dealing with Jews, Judaizers. What you're dealing with today are religious people. They come to the law. Okay, the law of God. Okay, and you know what? We get spiritual. Well, the civil law is gone. <laughs> uh, ceremonial law is gone. <laughs> Oof. That means there's only ten. And actually, I... I, I I confuse easier than that. I keep it to the two, and then I can actually say, you know what, I don't even have to worry about love my brother as myself if I can just do number one. Because if I do number one, you will love God's creation as much as he did. That would be all of them. Okay, you know, and, and your brother's anybody who ain't you. Okay. Religious people come to the law... That was supposed to unmask their sin and drive them to Christ. And the only way that could happen is if they are dealing with the spirit of the law in the intent of the law. The intent of the law is to say you need saved. The spirit of the law saves you. It's, it's an inside job. The spirit in you does this. Now I want to look, I want to show you something here. And be real careful because I've, I've watched people and they wrestle with this. Okay. <clears throat> we are servants of a new covenant. All right. Amen. Amen. Not of the letter. Okay. A distortion of what God's law says. But of the spirit. Okay, now people say, well, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know what? As far as I can read this text, big ass, little s. It all still works. 
Okay, now, now I can tell you that in the Greek text, there is no definite article. And normally when there's a definite article, it's the Holy Spirit. Or usually they'll put Hagias Spirit, Hagias Pneumas, which is Holy Spirit. That's not in this text. So it could be big S or little s. It could be done in your spirit or in the spirit of God. Because if you're truly honest with yourself, it's going to take the spirit of God in your spirit to do it. Right? So which S is it? Either one. Either one. We are servants of a new covenant. In the new covenant, we deal with the person of the Holy Spirit. We deal with the things of the heart. We deal with the things of the spirit. We deal with the things on the inside. We deal with the conscience. We don't deal with the externals. Why is it we want to cram externals at people? Why do we want to do that? That's not what we're here for. We're here on the internal. We are dealing with the conscience of men and women. And we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't deal with ceremonies. Remember ceremonies. Remember this. External Christianity kills You know, I watch, and, and I was a little nervous. I'll be honest with you. I'm gonna, I'll, this is confession time. I was a little nervous about the ladies going through 1 Corinthians 7 and Ephesians 5. Why? Because it's real easy to say, hey, you, you, you. You know what? I want to know when it talks about being married where it says that I'm supposed to walk down an aisle and my husband or my father gives me away and you do the ring and I do the ring and we do the cake and we do the flower and we do all this stuff. And give me the biblical precedence for that. The only thing I know about marriage is you swear before God, Lord, this is a gift. Thank you. I know my daughter's wanting me to do her wedding. She's like, well, that's going to be short, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, if you want to go back to the old covenant, then let's go get us a bull, cut it in half, and then the bride and the groom walk through the blood. Because it's the blood of the covenant that you are stepping into in the marriage. I don't see anybody. (laughs) No wonder he doesn't do a lot of weddings. (laughs) See what I'm trying to get at? We get into these things and we start saying, well, this is wrong and this is right and this is wrong and this is right. And you start throwing absolutes at it and you are basing it all on the external. And what makes you different than a Judaizer? Crazy, ain't it? As the great philosopher once said, what a long, strange trip this has been. If you go back here and you look at your text in 2 Corinthians 3, 6. For the letter kills. Okay, is it the letter of the law? Oh, wait, no. You know what? When When I think about the letter kills, does the law kill? Now listen, the law condemns. Right? All right. If you do not come to the grace and mercy of God, guess what happens? It kills you. We looked at that two weeks ago. All right. I want to show you another text. Romans chapter 2. 
I want to show you that I'm, I'm not just making this stuff up. Alright? I do not believe that the term that he's using here, letter, is synonymous with law. Chapter 2, book of Romans, verse 27. Okay, now, I'm going to have to spend a little time here, and everybody says, well, I thought we were going to do 2 Corinthians, and you've been everywhere, but... Okay, I, Matt informed me this morning, he said, you need to look at the outline. <laughs> you work too hard to put that outline together. Okay? Alright, Here's what he says in verse 27. And he who is physically uncircumcised. Okay, who's he talking about there? Gentiles, right? You, he who is a Gentile. If he keeps what? The law. Will he not judge you who though having what? Okay, Now, if your Bible says the letter of the law, the letter of the law, of the law is in italics. Is it not? Do you know what that means? It's not in the manuscript. All right, so here's what he's saying. If the Gentile, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you? Who though having the letter and circumcision are a transgressor of what? So the letter, if the letter means the law, how can you have it and be a transgressor of it? So he contrasts here to the Romans that there's a difference between the letter and the law. Why? It is just as simple. Let me explain something to you. And I'll use the illustration of the women's Bible study. It's easy for people to look at other people and say, well, you're not doing this, or you should have done this, or you ought to be doing this. Okay? And you know why it's easier to do that? You don't have to look at yourself. It is easier for me to mess with the ceremony. It is easier for me to mess with the ritual than... Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's what we do. It has gone on that way. What was Cain and Abel's problem? I'll worship my way. And I'll kill you because you did it right. What do we do? I watch this in the church. I've been in the church long enough to see this on a regular basis. Please, I want you to understand something. This is the only church I've ever been a part of, so I'm not talking outside of these walls. We in this room are guilty of saying, your externals don't meet my externals. And we got to be really careful of that. We had a little issue in the parking lot, church parking lot on uh, Friday night. Yeah, Friday night. A couple parked right up there on the side uh, of the parking lot right there in the grass. And, uh, you know, they were moving back and forth between the two cars and all the rest of it. Anyway, I was working um, in my office and I was a little uncomfortable about it. Young couple... And I'm like, man, 
You know, I call the cops on these people. What do, what do I do? Lord, what do you want me to do? I, I, what, you want to run out there and tell all these guys their moral standard isn't up to mine? Oh, wait, I've done that before. No, I haven't. I never did that in a church parking lot. <laughs> okay. I blew it off and I left. No big deal. All right. I did check license plate numbers. If something was damaged, then I got license plate numbers. Oh, when I come back on Saturday, one of the vehicles is parked out front and there's all these, the little booze bottles like you used to get on airplanes. I, I don't know if they still, a bunch of them over there and beer cans and all the rest of it. And you could tell that somebody had been sick and the one car was parked here and the other car was gone. And it was a mess. So I walk over there and I look at the mess and I look down and I walk over and all of a sudden, behold, a wallet. My God is so good. (laughs) Pick up the wallet, open it up, driver's license fits the license plates on the other vehicle, take it into my office. Then I thought, you know what, that's still a mess. So I go in, I write me a little note, please. Pick up your trash. Slid it under his windshield. And I left. I had things to do yesterday. When I came back yesterday afternoon, it's all cleaned up. Totally awesome. Cool. I like this. All right. Uh, I was a little bit late for communion. A little slow coming in. The young man had come to get his car and he's frantically looking for his wallet. I just walked around, smiled at him. I said, is this what you're looking for? He said, oh my God. But but I, I share that because really, I expect lost people to walk as Christ walks. Really? If you've ever been married to an unbeliever, Why would you expect an unbelieving spouse to walk as Christ walks? Really? And yet I watch us try to beat it into them. They're not going to do it. Show them what the law says. You know what? Just do. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You don't think go to hell. That is your options. We don't understand it. Well, you're either going to serve Christ or you're going to serve Satan. Do you know you're no Switzerland? Everybody's going to run out here and say, I'm going to tell my husband, I'm going to tell my wife, you know, you're serving Satan. (laughs) Oh, gee. But you see what I'm trying to get at? The law is spiritual. It comes from within the person. How do you help with that? You ain't going to change that. Try it. That's why I've never gotten into counseling. Really? You want me to change you into what? Read your Bible, believe it, and do it. Okay, if you need to find it a little faster than that, call me. I know how to use a concordance. (laughs) I don't understand that kind of stuff. 
And you know what? I remember in my life where I was running around beating everybody with the Bible. I just can't believe you're doing this. You need to be this and this and this and this. Look at that right there. You read it. Paul says here, the Gentile, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you though you had the letter? You had the misinterpretation of the law to suit your conscience. Ain't that what we do? I hear people say, you know, our church is just like really laid back. What the heck does that mean? I don't know what that means. Everybody's sleeping? You know, it's, it's just real casual. You're going before a holy God and you're doing it casually. Can you do it in another county? See, a Gentile, the letter in this text is distinct from the law. The letter is not equal to the law. It becomes a ritual. It becomes a ceremony. It becomes a system. It becomes a method. That damns people. The letter is an interpretation of the law that is in error. The letter strips it of its moral and spiritual content. The letter makes it purely external. You know, I go to church on Sunday. I give. I don't tithe because, you know, we're under the new covenant. We don't tithe in the new covenant. Really? So the letter is not synonymous for the law. But it does describe the misunderstanding, the misconception of the law. Keeping the letter means I'm going through all the external ceremonies and rituals and the do's and the don'ts while never dealing with the moral intent. What's the moral intent? Listen, I watch people. I just had an issue. It's what I call a mixed marriage. Believer, unbeliever. Okay? That's... All right? There's a reason God says you really shouldn't step into that. Why? You're serving two masters. Okay? And if you don't believe me, I have some numbers and names you can talk to. All right? But what happens if these two lost people got married and all of a sudden one comes to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul deals with that, doesn't he? If they're willing to stay, smile. You will be the definition of grin and bear it. Okay, and I've had people come to me and, and they said, well, how do I do this? Oh, it's simple. It's very simple. It's not complicated. Well, you just don't understand. No, you don't understand. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Who would that be? Oh, it's easy. Anybody that ain't you is your neighbor. Now then, if you want to think you can go do that, just because I said so, tell you what, 
next Sunday, give me a report on that. Tell me how well that worked. But see, we like to confuse it. Why? Because I don't want to look at loving the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because if I do that, the rest of it's a piece of cake. I don't care if I'm married to an unbeliever. I don't care if I work with the biggest moron in the world. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. I don't care what you have done. If you love your Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, everything else is irrelevant. And we get into trouble because we start dealing with the externals. See, we just mess with the symbols. We just mess with the shadows. We never come to the reality. There are churches in this town right now who are classified as evangelical community churches or whatever you call them now, Bible churches. And I got news for you. They've never dealt with the reality. It becomes a game. It becomes an entertainment. It becomes, we're laid back. We are contemporary in our worship. We are blended in our worship. You know what you're telling me? I'm worried about the externals. I am not worried about dealing with the reality. Why? The reality is people in churches are blind, naked, and depraved. Depraved, my favorite word in all of Scripture, found useless for its intended purpose. But we're happy, laid back. And when something goes wrong, I'll point out your lack of externalism, and I'll point out my externalism. That is a deception, and it leads people to think that they are conforming to God's intention when they are not. When they are not. And you know what? That's the real killer. And you know what? That is extraordinarily, that is probably the single hardest thing that I've ever seen somebody to recover from. When I have done the church thing for years and years and years. I'm third generation. I'm not. And you know what? They think they have conformed to God's intent. You can recover from the law's intent to kill you. As it drives you to despair over your wretchedness. Listen, I don't need you to drive me to despair over my wretchedness. I love you. Um, I know my wretchedness. The law's intent is not for me to, hey, let me get the Ten Commandments and slap each one of you upside the head with them. Or maybe nine out of ten. And I watch people who do that. You can't do that. And it wasn't going to accomplish. Makes your arm sore swinging the Bible that much. No. When I come to understand my wretchedness, my despair, my hopelessness, my inability to do anything to please God. Then I fall to Christ. I fall to Christ. That's the intent of the law. But when you get to that point... I have no inability. There's a danger. 
I watch too many embrace the ceremonial, the ritual, the mechanical religion. If I do this and this, you don't think I'm kidding you? I know a guy who got baptized, and the reason that he got baptized is that God, he wanted God to heal his marriage. The guy's in the pornography. But if I get baptized, then what? What? He's going to heal my marriage? You know what? As far as I'm concerned, pornography is cheating on your wife or husband. Okay? I, which is silly because it's a picture. But anyway... Um, but that's that's what it is. It's, that's what the heart is. And you know what? Baptism is not going to change that guy's heart. I have seen that over. I know a guy got baptized. Uh, he got baptized a Sunday after. I, I got baptized on a Wednesday. And that following Sunday, he got baptized. And I was talking to him. I said, man, you know, I was baptized on Wednesday. He said, this is my fourth time. I was like, wow, cool. Does that mean I got to do it next Wednesday? <laughs> what is this? I just started coming to church in a bathing suit. Um, and and the reason was is because one God gave him a job and hadn't gotten a job yet. What is that? I've watched women who have, are unequally yoked and they badger their husband enough. Okay, to get him into church and make him walk down that aisle because I don't want to be married to an unbeliever. And that poor bugger crawls down that aisle and, <laughs> and I'm thinking it ain't working. I, I don't know how many times I've seen that. Yeah, my wife brought me today. I'm going to get saved again or she's going to kill me. <laughs> what is that? It's externals. It's externals. You know, when I, you know what? When I got saved, I was all by myself. Nobody had an altar call. It was a concrete floor, an iron bed in front of me, and I was in front of a steel toilet. Just doesn't sound spiritual, does it? There wasn't, you know, Beverly, what's his name, singing whatever he sings. <laughs> huh? What? Just as I am. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of options. This is all you get right now. <laughs> so and I hope you like orange jumpsuits. But um, I just sit there and said, Lord, I've made a mess of this. This is, a, this is awful. Save me. Wretched man that I am. And that was it. I didn't know there was an Old Testament, New Testament. And I never did understand why start reading your Bible, start in the middle. Go to John. Well, why wouldn't I start like in the front of the book and read to the back of the book? Anyway, I know that now. But anyway, do you see what I'm trying to get at? It isn't external. There was, I didn't get goosebumps. Okay, I didn't get my hair standing up. I didn't make a deal. God, you get my keister out of this mess. And I'll give some money or something. It was one of these, you know what? I have made a mess of my life. Save me. Now, it doesn't sound profound. You know, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a sinner's prayer. I figured I was a sinner and I was praying. Had it covered. 
There wasn't mechanical to it. There wasn't, it wasn't external. I wasn't expecting to, there's a light. <laughs> it freaked me out of that, man. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> when I watch people today come to the realizing that they need to be saved, and then they walk right on past the recognition of their sin into this damning deception that is filling the church today. I'm not talking about Roman Catholicism or Orthodoxy or any of the rest of it. I'm talking about in the Protestant church today. We're not dealing with the reality. The first reality is that every one of you are a sinner. Wretched. There is no degree of sin. And you can't do anything about it. I watch people say, you know, uh, I, I go to church, I'm involved in church, but I attend AA meetings. Really? What does that do? Well, it gives me accountability. <clears throat> What's the Holy Spirit doing? I go back through my life, brothers and sisters, I want you to hear this. There is nothing in this world that I haven't been addicted to. In one way or another. And God said, no, you're just a sinner. And I know the times that I begged him, take that desire from me. Take that thought from me. Take that away from me. Why? Because now, inside of me, in my conscience, he knows Everything. He knows things my wife doesn't know. And he better not tell her. (laughs) There are so many in the body of Christ today who believe they have a relationship and they crank out the external ceremonies. Just crank it out. It's mechanical. Paul says that it is spiritual. Paul says the Spirit gives life. The Spirit works on the inner man. That letter thing is just because your conscience couldn't handle the moral aspect that God had called you to, and so you crank out the rituals. Just because a system uses Jesus' names. I had a guy one time come to me um, and say, I needed to confess my sins because I was trying to evangelize Catholics. Really? I will not join that lie. I can't join that lie. I won't join that lie. Souls are at stake. God's truth is at stake also. The new covenant provides life through the spirit where sin is dealt with. Please understand this. The spirit and his word will deal with your sin. He will deal with my sin. I do not need you to deal with my sin. You know what? I love you. I don't need to deal with your sin. But I break my heart breaks over your sin. We now have the real, brothers and sisters. We who were killed by the law because of Christ and the indwelling of His Spirit have now been reconciled and are right standing before a holy God. Regardless 
of the times you fall down and go boom. Now, find the law. When I see it now, I find it as a path of obedience. When I find the law, I know that it is a path of life. When I find the law, I know that it is a path of blessing. When I find the law, I know it is a path of joy. I know that it is a path of fulfillment. And I know that it is a path of peace. And by the Spirit, I obey. The law killed us. Christ made us alive. Now the law is our friend. Now the law is life to us. Now the law is a blessing to us. You pray for those who are caught in the externals. They're all around you. They have no relationship with God. None whatsoever. It's, it's like Paul talking to Timothy. He says, you have women who are loaded down with sin, always learning and never able to come to the truth. You know why? They're always learning. Why? I want all the externals. Let me have all the externals. And then I can go beat people up with them and I don't have to look at myself. I hope we can reach to them and teach them that they should not look at ceremony, but look to Scripture. Because Scripture will expose us. Exposes us to our sinfulness. Then we go to Christ. Help others listen to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and come to repentance. And until that is done, you will not find the loving mercy and grace of Christ. See why it's important? It gives life. After it condemns you and you stay away from the letter. It's really cool. It'll rock your universe. It will give you hope that you never dreamed possible. It will give you peace that you never imagined. And it's regardless of the externals. It will bring you joy. It will bring you blessing. It will bring you a calmness. And you'll move away from that. Have you ever heard your Christian walk? has peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. You know what you're doing? It's external. You walk with a Christian who understands the new covenant, it just goes. There's no peak, there's no valley. It just cruises. Why? I have peace with God. Now I have the peace of God. What sways God and puts him into a panic or a frenzy? Nothing. And when I grab the new covenant, I sit there and I say, this is of the Spirit. Remember what Jesus said? It's not what goes into the man that defiles him, but what comes out of it. All right? Indwelling Spirit. Where's that at? In the man. Therefore, what comes out of him? Only the things of God. Only the things of God. That's the new covenant, people. The law drives you to that because you want life. The glory of the new covenant, it gives you life and removes you from misinterpretation, misunderstanding, or misapplying the law of God. 
You know what? It is so easy to point out another person's sin. You know, I'm sure that none of you have ever had any problem with it. Okay? But if you truly look at what the Word of God says, if I point it out, then if I do anything less than help you walk intimately involved in your life, then I'm in sin for pointing it out. That's discipling. See how mechanical we come? It's easy to say, well, I'll tell you what, I don't know how you cut that thing, but it sure looks like sin to me. Would you like verse and chapter? Hope you get done with it. What did Jesus say, say to the Pharisees? You load people down and you're not willing to help them walk. <laughs> he just became a Pharisee. <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> I've been called a Pharisee before. Antichrist. Whatever. They should have should have known me before I got saved. Anyway, these are the things that you and I have to pay attention to. You know what? If some reason I feel led to help point out a sin to you, know this. God is my witness. I'll walk with you shoulder to shoulder till the day I'm gone. Or <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> In the past, that's happened. Okay? But I mean it. I will. And I hope that when I do that, you guys say, hey, I should do that. Because when that happens, then we have loved our neighbors as ourselves. And this thing becomes extraordinarily simple. And it doesn't hurt our hearts. Because we are only following Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Father, I thank you for my brother Paul and the amazing things that he do has done. And uh, Father, as, as we even look at this, knowing that the Spirit gives life. Father... <laughs> If there's any of us in this room who are hanging on to the letter, please, Lord, break it from our grasp. Let us be people overwhelmed by your presence, walking in the glory and the majesty of the King of kings and Lord of lords. May we decrease in our fleshly desires and may you increase as you conform us into the image of Jesus himself. May we, with an eager expectation as beholding in a mirror the image of Christ from glory to glory. May that be our passion. May that be our desire. In Christ's name. Amen.